Welcome to Riverdale. Welcome to Riverdale chapter 30, the news titans. I'm just going to dive right into this. Now, I have a weird love-hate relationship with this show because if you haven't noticed in the last two episodes, I've been adamant about not returning to this show for season three. Episodes like chapter 30 make me want to change my mind, mainly because more shit happens. Now, this show is not without its flaws and its faults, uh, but... This show, oh God, I don't know. It's just, I think this show with the writers that they have would probably be better served as a 13 episode series as opposed to 22 episodes. They are not doing a good job. All these different hiatuses, all these different like failed plot lines. Like if you're going to go 22 episodes, a show that I think has done a good job, though I haven't watched it in a few seasons, was Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. They did a really good job at having these story arcs that took, one might took three episodes, one might take six, one might take another six, and will follow up from seasons before. Riverdale does not do that. This is just a shit show that sometimes is presented in a pretty box. That being said, <laughs> getting right into Chapter 30, The News Titans, we catch up with Cheryl, who is at the Sisters of Quiet Mercy, and it's like they just, this facility is whatever the writers needed to be. It was an orphanage for one, now it's like a gay conversion therapy house, like is it a catch-all for just bad things, and I don't know, I I like that I just don't feel like it's earned. I feel like with everything that's going on uh, with Cheryl and her having uh, ultimately ended up there, they didn't do a good... I just don't think it's... Because what is the episode where Cheryl, Betty, and I think Archie went back to the Sisters of Quiet Mercy to like find out some information about Polly and then like threaten to, we're going to tell the comments about such and such or whatever. It's just like for you to be such a big, bad facility, that should have not been any water off your back. Or it was about, was it Veronica and Archie about the black hood? Something. It was just foolish, but we catch up with Cheryl who's there paying her payments or whatever. Then we do a hard cut to this student body president council meeting thing, which is like, this shit is ultra official. Um, Betty and Jughead are, well, Jughead and Betty are running together. Veronica and Archie are running together and Reggie and Josie. Now, here comes my concerns. You take the two persons of color on this cast and just stick them together. That's perfectly fine. I can see them running with each other. But my thing is, we've seen the evolution of these other two groups. We've seen them decide, hey, I want to be your running mate. I want you to be my running mate. Let's do this together. But for these two people of color, they're just shoehorned in there. And it'd be very different if they were just thrown in there and that was that. But then they do have active parts of the show. So it's like, can we get more? Like, there's a scene when Archie is talking to Reggie in the Pops Diner. He's like, well, how can um, I can get you such and such votes? And he's like, yeah, I promised Josie I'd get those votes. Where was that conversation? Like, yeah, everything doesn't need to be put on screen. But again, when you come down to the people of color, it's just like these token whatever's um uh betty has avoided her mom her mom is mad at fp because fp is allowing her daughter to stay in his trailer and the thing that's funny to me is alice 
always talking out the side of her neck about these people in these trailer parks. It's like, okay, girl, calm down. Like, she is really the epitome of forgetting where you come from. Now, I don't know if she lived in a trailer park on the south side. I don't even know if there's houses on the south side. It doesn't seem to be that way. But she needs to be brought down to pig. Uh, we also moved to the Lodges and the Andrews who are battling amongst their children. This whole setup is so weird because I still fall back on the fact that these are children. Archie, how in the fuck are you able to turn your back on your dad like that? And like nothing has been said. Just the parents on this show are horrible. Just in a parenting sense, not even in the drama that they're wrapped up in. Um, we get... Molly Ringwald is back, and I guess they only had her for like a certain amount of episodes, so they were like, we'll just pay for this, that, and whatever, but that's why I said if this show had have been, I'll even give you 15 episodes as opposed to 22, it would be more impactful, It would she would seem like a regular because there wouldn't be so many gaps in episodes between her appearances. Um, I think for it is trash, him running for mayor, he's like, I'm the only one who hasn't been arrested, and I'm the only one who hasn't moved away from Riverdale. So you're qualified to run this town because you never moved away. That's odd. There's a lot of people in the South side, particularly who are more than qualified to run this town. Then, like, this is stupid. Um, and just the fact that Mayor McCoy has just been like shutting it off to the side. Her black ass is just gone. She's no longer mayor. So fuck her. It's like, Oh God. Um, Molly Ringwald and Archie have a lot of, conversations in this episode and though I do think Archie's trash I do kind of side with him in a few things it's like you know you want to stand up for what you believe in but at the same time you're going against your family and that can be traumatic in itself even if you are on the right or the wrong side of that so I mean I get that much but Molly Ringwald coming back <laughs> and talking all this noise about you supposed to worship your dad and you need to be there for him and such and such it's like yeah, but he's also a teenager, and teenagers are sometimes trash. And if y'all had a better handle on raising him, then maybe he would have sided with his dad as opposed to going off with the next, you know, dark-haired thing walking. So he's now no longer Archie Andrews. He's Archie Lodge, in my eyes. Um, we find out that the car that belonged to the man who was murdered by Chick or Alice has been pulled out of the swamp, which is like, where is Riverdale? There's a swamp here. There's like an Indian reservation. There's like all this stuff. Where is this place? Um, so we get Chick upset. And he really bothers me. He has to be about... Betty is 15. Polly is about 17, 18. Then Chick would have to be like 21, 22. He cries about every goddamn thing. And it's not like I'm emotional. I'm, I'm, I'm shutting down. It's like he has this very childish crying persona that he puts on and it's like they do it so much but then they'll do it where he's I guess trying to manipulate someone and he's smiling behind their back but it's like that doesn't read well because you it looks the same every single time so I don't know I don't know what to think um we get this investigation so there are a couple different sort well three they have the Betty and murder Chick, all that good shit, that plot line, which is pretty solid. And it's um, Jughead and the Serpents decide that they will no longer support Jughead because he's just um, 
laying with the Riverdale princess or whatever this is. It's like, it's so weird. But I guess I get where they're coming from. But at the same time, it's like, you want, um, it's so odd. So they want him to run for a student council president, which is like, why is this such a big deal? They want him to run for president, but then they're mad because he's running and trying to appeal to the Riverdale students as well as the Southside students. And then, like, do they expect to win based off their vote alone? That's so weird. It's such a weird setup. Well, uh, Betty, which, and I'm so mad that this show is making me, you know, side with her, but she said to them, motherfucker, I helped y'all. I've done a bunch of shit in the name of the serpents. And what is their response? You did that for your boyfriend, who is a serpent, and I'm around y'all all the goddamn time. I went up on stage in lingerie in my teenage body and stripped for all you niggas. I was like, I get having an issue with her. Um, I guess it came out that they were more upset because her mom used to be a serpent. And like she said, you're blaming me for shit my mom did. And they're talking, oh, it's a legacy. And, you know, you're just like her. Well, no, I'm not just like her. I'm a completely independent person who can do shit on my own. And I've proven to you niggas specifically that I know what the fuck I'm doing. That was so weird. I'm like, and my issues with Betty and the main four still standing. I think that Betty is probably one of the most solid characters on this show. Like she has her ups and downs, but she is always in some shit detecting some shit, saving some shit, terrorizing somebody. Like, I I, I dare to say she is probably the, one of the most well-rounded characters in the show. Um, and they, though some of the shit is campy and cheesy, they still are doing things with her that I feel makes sense with that character. Um, she's clearly more interesting than Polly, and Polly will ever be. And uh, she's consistent, so, I don't know, I'm... Whatever, so that ends up being wrapped up because we find out now if you didn't have issues with Chick before, you're going to have issues with him now. This dumb bitch made motherfucker. So what he does is he, okay, so they, this is taking a few steps back. Once it comes out that this car has been pulled from the swamp, everybody panics. Everybody's watching TV. Uh, FP, Alice, Jughead, Betty, and Chick. They're watching the news and they're like, oh my God, they found out. They all meet at Pops. My issue is, and I don't know if the show, whatever, fuck this show. This happens when FP, Betty, and Jughead are in the trailer wearing regular clothes. This happens when Alice and Chick are at their home wearing regular clothes. You're going to tell me that we're on the phone. We find out that this car that of this man that we murdered has been pulled out of a swamp. But we are going to wait until the next day for you to go to work. And we're all going to meet up at your job and talk about like, you know where I live. You can come to my house. So strange. So they sit in pops and are talking and not really for the show. They're not talking loud, but you're loud as shit in pops. Oh my God. Why is chick here? He's the reason we killed that man. Can you believe that man? We killed his car was pulled from the swamp. You know, the car that we pushed into the swamp months ago. It's like, why is this happening here? I know you have a limited amount of sets at your disposal, but why is this happening here? So weird. Then the sheriff walks in and everybody gets quiet and starts looking at him. I'm just like, what is, what is this? You, you, there's two homes you can go to. There is the home that Alice owns and there's the trailer that FP. You can speak freely there. Why are we in a public space while you're, oh God, it was so weird. Oh, this show is stupid. Um, 
So they're mad about Chick and Betty keep insisting that I'm not coming home until he leaves. And Alice is not a good mother at all. She tries something. She, I was with her in season one, season two a little bit. But as the show goes on, I'm just like, you are a trash ass human and you don't need to have kids, adults or otherwise. Um, we find out that these two men who visited the lodges are trying to strong arm Hiram into giving up 25% of this prison, which I don't know how prisons work, especially private prisons, but they said they wanted 25% of the earnings. And in response to that, Hiram said, well, if I give you that, I'll be in the red. Like he won't be making any money. I'm thinking you're going to create an entire prison to only make 25% profit from a prison. Now, again, I don't know how private prisons work, but that does not sound I mean, I know you have to pay for electricity, water, and all that good shit, and you do have to pay the people who work there. But you're only if you're gonna go through all that trouble to only make twenty five percent, why not just open like a shoe store or something? Like, what are you? That seems very odd. I don't, I don't know. That that just that seems off. Um, and especially if that is the case, you're still making money from these condominiums that you're building because people have to pay their rent once they move in. It's just, it's strange. I feel like just whatever pushed the pop forward, that's what they're going to do. But that was such a weird conversation to have. Uh, Archie and Reggie are arguing because Reggie has assured Josie in some off-screen conversation that he can get the votes of the Bulldogs. What does that matter? How many kids go to this school? Most of you motherfuckers are in here late at night, early in the morning, taking sauna um, avocado face mask, all this shit. But what is this school wealthy or not? Like, what is? I don't understand the population of the Riverdale High. We don't see any other students. I don't know. So they challenge each other to a um arm wrestle, and the person who wins gets the bulldog vote. I thought they were going to actually wrestle, which would have made more sense. Archie wins because, of course. This is his show. It's no longer Riverdale. When Reggie clearly should have won, Reggie is bigger. Reggie looks to be more fit. Maybe not more fit. I don't know. Either way, Reggie should have won. So we go into the Riverdale Vixens and Tony walks up, which is, again, a lot of this stuff is so weird because if I walk up to my kind of sort of girlfriend house to find out that she no longer lives there and I think something is fishy going on, I'm going to go to my friends. I'm not going to wait a whole day to I show up at school to cheerleading practice, which is probably in the middle of the day or at the very end of the day to talk to them and say, Hey guys, so we haven't seen Cheryl all day. And this is why, like you've had classes with these people. So weird. Um, so she talks to Josie and she talks to Veronica. She's like, this was going on. And there is no Switzerland school that she's in. And there is no social media presence. And I'm thinking, don't try to shoehorn in social media. Now you had that one, kind of um that sticky maple shit in that season one never referenced social media again maybe here and there saying something but nothing has been as visual and all of a sudden Cheryl would never be in Switzerland unless she was on social media which is like just right social there's a lot of things in social media which social media are you talking about Cheryl Snapchat Twitter Instagram Vine YouTube what um I don't know I just don't like the way it's so funny because I said this show is good. This is a really good episode. It's just weird. Um, so they're playing this like stereotypical Italian mob music while Hiram and these two, I don't know, 
guys, are they Italian or are they Hispanic? I don't know what these, are they white? But they're talking about, we want 25%. He's like, I can't give you that. He's like, oh, well, all you have is some little kid from school and uh, your doorman and something. And Archie, this is what really burned me up. And I knew they were writing it this way so that he could be like the wild card, the, the fun, interesting one. But he steps up and is like, well, sir, I beat up Nick Sinclair and I did this and I did that and I did this and that. And so don't underestimate us. Nigga, what are you talking about? These are grown men talking. We don't need you to speak. You are a child. You might be a big dude, but you are a child. Like, I just, I expected for someone to just shoot him in the head. Get it over with. Just shoot him and be done. Um, clearly, that didn't happen. We get the next scene, which is Hiram congratulating Archie, which, why? Like, he's going off the rails. He is a liability at this point, in my eyes. And uh, they're discussing how much they can't, they're, they may have to um, uh, fold and let these motherfuckers come on and give them money. <sighs> okay, move on to Betty and Jughead who are arguing. Well, Betty's arguing with him about what can I do to make the serpents love me? What? Again, you motherfuckers are 15 and 16 years old. Can you study for the ACT? Can you worry about going to college? Any of that? Is that too far-fetched? Uh, but you're sitting here concerned about these little motherfuckers liking you for a student council president and just gets says something like yeah whoever gets the president they get to sit on the board and such and such okay whatever child wins the student council presidency gets to sit on the school board am i is that the... oh i tell you this show uh so they go uh bughead Betty and Jughead go and talk to Kevin in where else but Pop Steiner about the car that was pulled from the swamp asking about what his dad knows some woman named Darla we find out that that's her car um, we have another family meeting finally this time at FP's trailer where everyone's discussing this and mad at chick and uh, I just I'm really bored with this storyline so to speed these things up we find out that whoever Darla is I guess the murdered guy's ex-girlfriend it's her car that was stolen she shows up at Betty and them house uh, because dumbass chick called her she's like yeah he tried to get information out of me but I clearly saw through that okay so after that she's like yeah I'll disappear into the night you know without no questions asked as long as I get my 10,000 that he owed me Betty goes to the bank uh, her mom calls like, no, nah, don't come back because that nigga that beat up your brother like 12 episodes ago, he's here too. She comes back and gives him the money. And they're like, oh, well, we're going to stay here. We're not going anywhere. And I was like, yeah, I could have saw that coming. Uh, but what happens is the serpents burst through the door, pull out their switchblades and threaten these two grown people who can easily whoop their ass because y'all are a bunch of kids. Um, it was a good scene. I didn't think they needed to break her door in. You could have opened the door and just walked in. Now I have no front door. But the thing that's bothering me about this show, as usual, is the way it treats its people of color. I was all for this storming the castle scene until that same black girl they had chained up to the school with everybody and that same black boy that I said was an extra before, and now he's just popping up in the background of these serpent scenes. They were both there. Where's your speaking role? 
how is it black people in the serpents and that's not being addressed? Like you don't clearly nobody black is working on this show because there's no way that you're going to tell me that a black writer is in that room. And it's just like, oh yeah, put them two blacks way over there in the back, close enough to the screen where we can see them, but I don't want them to speak. This is weird, especially in a gang like this, like black people and their relations to gangs and especially a gang like the serpents that was supposed to begin as like an Indian cult, which I know I'm remembering wrong, but it started off with Native American people and then kind of morphed into this whitewashed thing of racially ambiguous white looking people. And now all of a sudden in the last few episodes, you're going to throw in some brown faces. Like that's not how this works. That's not even how gang culture works. What are you doing? This is weird. And it's, it's upsetting actually. And I'm, I try to uh, keep my head held high and just enjoy the show for what it is. But then when things like that happen, it's just like, Ugh, I can't deal with it. So Alice ultimately like puts on her whore makeup because this makeup looks atrocious, and she goes over to FP Strader and sleeps with him, and I guess all is right with the world. Moving on to a more interesting storyline, we get Tony, Veronica, and uh, Josie, and they show up at Thornhill, and they're storming the castle as well, and they're talking to Penelope, and they're like, okay, what happened to Cheryl? She's not in some woman's school in Switzerland. Where the fuck is she? And she's like, well, I don't really fancy myself to explain myself to children which is like duh and though i am on the girl side because tony and josie are there exclusively because i don't care about nobody else penelope says well no what josie says is um i don't know if you heard but my mom is dating the sheriff and if you're not going to answer to us i'm sure you want to answer to him and penelope does which is something i should have expected from the uh previously on riverdale scenes but she pulls out a book that has a picture of Josie and Cheryl, a picture that Cheryl drew way back in that weird ass episode where it was like four vignettes of something. Now I have been screaming for this show to address that forever in a day. They finally did. And they still did it horribly because my thing is you've shown her this drawing. And then she makes the connection that Cheryl was the one who sent me that bloody pig's heart. How did we get there? Like, you're still not, like, you're addressing it, but you're not giving me logical steps to say, oh, because she drew this picture and she drew so many of them, that must mean that she's the one who sent me that bloody heart. That's not, like, you're not giving me the A, the one plus two equals three. You're not giving me that. You're just giving me this thing, so that must mean this thing. Oh, because you showed me a picture. Is that why I left the milk on the counter Thursday? Like, that doesn't make any sense. And she storms off and it's like, if any little bit of what her she's saying is true, then that means that she'll send me a bloody pig's heart. What? Are we not going to address that you were sick, that she poisoned you, that she set up this black man, that she was horrible to this janitor who didn't have shit to do with none of that? And, she, and then like soon after, because her mom was like, yeah, she was obsessed with you. Yes, yeah, she was for that episode, which the screen time in that episode I'll say they had 15 minutes total. I was upset with you for 15 minutes. And that was that. And we moved on from that. And so, but Penelope to her credit, she was like, yeah, you know, we sent her to something, whatever, because we didn't want to, uh, we thought she was a danger to herself and to you. So if you want to tell your mom that bring her and the share and her little boyfriend over now that 
she read them and I was there for it. But I was like, this is, I still, you still, I'm still not satisfied. And I don't want to hear some, when they gave you this, so you should be happy. No, I shouldn't because they're fleshing out everybody else's storyline. And it's just like, this was just a convenient way to back in that horrible episode that somebody wrote that is canon for the show. You could have just made that a dream sequence, but that had to be real. And we're still not going to just how she split up the pussycats. Like, it's so much. And I'm supposed to accept it because Josie stormed off saying she sent me a pig's heart. <sighs> this show was dumb. Um, Betty wants a tattoo of a serpent. Her mom's like, no, nah, that's dumb. Then, of course, Darla shows up and she looks just like white trash and all that's resolved. But we get to... Um, Molly Ringwald and Archie and she's pretty much cutting it to him like you are a horrible child you used to worship your dad why are you not doing these things Archie had saw his dad writing a speech with Jughead about the mayoral race and he's like well why would you um, you know Jughead is the best writer I know and such and such it's just like all these relationships are fractured and they're weird Um, and I guess my concern is that this writers don't know what the fuck they're doing. Now I will say that this show was exciting enough that towards that it carried me throughout the whole show. I still had my issues. They they still stand. I stand firm with those, but it did, um, it did carry me from beginning to end. Uh, one of the most exciting things was the rescue of Cheryl. Now Cheryl is at the Sisters of Quiet Mercy, and she's like doing all these like physical challenges and this psychological torture watching movie night about something against gay people and um i gay conversion therapy i think that that is an interesting storyline to take or interesting plot point i guess to to address um especially since it's something that i'm sure still happens but not to the level that it did back in the day um I don't think it was earned though. I feel like we should have did a bit more. Like if this show was not 22 episodes, if it was 13, then that you could do this story and it would make sense. It would feel impactful, but it's like, what the fuck are you doing? Last episode she was thrown in here. Now she's saved. Like I should, should have been one episode in between where she is just going through hell. And well, that's my personal opinion. And it would have made it more impactful when they did break in. Now, my concerns with this break-in. We have Veronica and Tony Topaz. Tony Topaz got a call from Nana Rose, my Grandma Rose, when she crawled her ass from the chair to the telephone, this old-school-ass telephone, to call the school, which is like, okay, she's supposed to have dementia or be half crazy or whatever. One, how does she get out of the chair and then crawl to the phone? If her legs don't work, how she like this woman was visibly crawling. It wasn't like she was pushing herself with her elbows. She was crawling. Her legs and shit were moving. So does she need a wheelchair or no? I don't. You need to find something. Secondly, she gets to the phone and she just calls the school. You old and feeble-minded and all that, but you're calling the school. You know the school's number by heart, and you know the ask for Tony Topaz. You couldn't tell Polly from who does she think Polly was in the first season when she kept calling her somebody uh no betty she kept calling betty polly and it's like what do you how does she whatever whatever pushes the plot forward i guess then uncle disconnects the call because he finds out and i'm sure he's gonna murder her 
whatever. So Tony talks to Veronica and they're like, yeah, this this is quite mercy. Who would know if it was gay conversion therapy? I'm thinking they're going to go to Betty because Polly was there. No, they go to the token gay guy, Kevin, because anything that is anything remotely gay has to go through Kevin. So Kevin says, yeah, there's a secret tunnel in there that guys used to sneak out and go hook up with guys like me in the woods. And I'm thinking, it seems as if you were speaking, you were talking about prohibition and way back in the day. And then you're talking about now you aren't that like it was it was a weird change in time from the time he started speaking to the time he ended his point. So there's this tunnel. And when they said tunnel, I'm thinking a tunnel that somebody didn't dug into the ground. No, this isn't a tunnel. This is just a hallway in a basement. Like, <sighs> so Tony and Veronica get dressed to go break into this school. And it's like, what the fuck is this show doing? Anybody in their right mind? No, be you high born, noble, bougie, wealthy, or if you poor, trailer trash, ghetto, whatever, you know that if you're going to break into somewhere, why are you wearing high heels? Why are you wearing a boob window? Why are you wearing a shirt that exposes all your cleavage? And then I was so mad at Veronica. But then when they got her and Tony got into the basement and they were using the flashlights, I find out that Tony has on this sheer shirt where her only her titties are covered. I'm like, what? These are kids. What are you doing? Um, I just... This is dumb. And it's like, why are you making these people so overly sexual? Like, ordinarily, I can accept Veronica wearing all this fancy shit, pencil skirts and pearls and all that good shit. But why, if I'm breaking into a facility to break out my friend, why am I not wearing a hoodie and jeans and boots? Why is my hair not in a ponytail? Why do I not have a school cap on? Why am I wearing, I don't know, some outfit, runway outfit? This is weird. And these are children. I just... Discussed this so they break in running around uh tony says we should split up we'll cover more ground that way i'm thinking where's security y'all got into this motherfuckers too easily um we break out cheryl which was an interesting it was a good scene then her and tony finally kissed um and then they leave veronica busts into the movie theater like well, we gotta leave uh because there's some nuns coming now they run out and there are nuns walking slowly down the hall they can see them then they walk down the other way and then they see more nuns coming they can see them so they run into this open door downstairs into the basement why is this door open who knows now these nuns are walking very slowly the girls are running we get them in the basement then they walk running through the hallway and all of a sudden these nuns and whatever are downstairs how did they get down there that quick then we get a scene where they walk, run down the hallway, the girls do, and climb up what looks like a sewer, manhole, ladder situation. And they run their little tiny asses up there and they get out. Tony goes to lock the door, put a crowbar in the door. And all of a sudden there's beating on the door. Where did the nuns gather this speed to even catch up to y'all? It was just, like I said, watching it, it was exciting. It was, you know, you were just in the show, in the middle of it. And I was like, Oh, this shit seems weird. But now that I'm done watching it and I'm just looking at it again, objectively, this is odd. They're running through the woods. Uh, we get a final scene at the end where Tony and Josie, Tony and Josie, Tony and Cheryl are sitting on a couch in the student lounge and they're like, oh, now that you're free, what are you going to do? And I'm thinking, well, she's free, but where the fuck does she live? Where did you get these clothes from? Like, what? Like, she, is she living with you, Tony, in the trailer park? Is she living with 
Betty is she like where does this girl live? Are we just gonna gloss over that? Ugh. Then God, Cheryl, after all this trauma she's been through, stands up, goes over to Kevin and says, Oh, I know that you're putting on uh, a stage play musical of Carrie. I'm gonna be the lead and this school's gonna burn. What? You just went through one of the most traumatic experiences you've been through and it's just like she what the fuck is going on so when her and tony are on the couch and they're talking about this she gets up to walk over to kevin and i'm thinking she's going to apologize or say thank you or something are we not going to have you address josie and the shit that you did to her like you cheryl is a fan favorite of mine but the way they're writing her and the shit that's going on it's just like what the fuck is this this is dumb this is dumb i don't This was a good episode. I'll just keep saying that because it was an interesting episode. But god damn. Um, with the largest storyline, we find out that um, the FBI agent is beating Andre to death. And Archie catches him. He's wearing a black hood, black mask, which invokes, of course, flashbacks of the black mask, black hood, whatever. And I'm tired of this show playing with that idea. Like, either you're going to let that man be dead and let that be, or, or bring him back and let us find out who the real Black Hood is. This is dumb. All in all, this episode was weird as fuck. But it was good. Um, I, I don't know. I'm over it. What I do know is that my favorite character, of course, was Josie. And my favorite scene was when she walked out. I was like, no, I'm not helping this bitch. She sent a bloody pig's heart to me, and she was obsessed with me. I wish they'd have let me write that scene because I'd have wrote all the shit that Cheryl did wrong and all the ways that this show has failed black people and people of color. But um, that being said, this was a really good episode, guys. <laughs> so, um, yeah, let me know what your thoughts are. How do you feel like this show handles people of color? How did you like this particular episode? Was Molly Ringwald interesting or could you take her or leave her? Because I don't. I, I don't know. I don't I don't know that I care too much that she's here. She doesn't seem to be advancing the plot. It's just like she's just somebody for Fred to talk to because I don't and someone to yell at Archie, which I did like that. I did like her yelling at Archie because he is trash. But um, yeah, let me know. Are you still watching this? Would you be interested in a season three review? Um, yeah. So all that being said, we're going to keep this conversation going. Make sure you tweet me at Carefree Blurred. Use the hashtag WTRPod. That will, of course, be in the show notes if you don't remember. Uh, comment on SoundCloud. Rate, review, repost, all that good stuff on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, all that good stuff. And um, make sure to meet me back here next time in Riverdale. Um, and just um, just don't die. Or don't be a serpent. I was like, I don't know, shit. <laughs> All right, uh, check out next time.